Hey, let's have a word of prayer. I am super excited for this morning's message. I want to let you know if I show some excitement today, will you forgive me? Okay, just a little more energy than usual because this, I think, is such a topic that is so huge to our culture today. And to realize that um, there's a lot in our world that's not right. But how many people know that God has given us a, um, he's given us a responsibility to make a difference? And I love it. We don't have to just sit here and hang our shoulders and our head about all the negative, but God has given us a vehicle that we can use to make a difference. And I want to let you know, we were born for such a time as this. I tell you what, I look at other generations, and I think, Lord, you put us here. What a privilege to be in these times where we can be salt, where we can be light, where we can make a difference. And I tell you what, you're not here by mistake. God has you in this generation for such a time as this. And he wants to use us to make a difference in a world that's hurting. Are you hearing me this morning? So let's pray and let's dive into this um, topic. And we're going to have a great time. So Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you have positioned us to be here in 2022. What an amazing thought. It's not by accident, but it's by divine design. And Lord, we want to step up. We don't want to shrink back from the challenge. We want to step in to the challenge knowing that it's not us, but it's you and us together. And when you and us work together, it's amazing what can happen in our world, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families. And God, we're not going to shrink back. We're going to meet the challenge because we have a relationship with Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you for that today. Oh, God, I just ask that you do something in our hearts. God, that you do something in our minds. God, that if our thoughts are off-centered, I just pray, God, that today would be a day that you bring everything back into center where it should be. And Lord, we just thank you that we are, as we sang this morning, we are children of God. I want everybody just to think of that right now. You are a child of God. If you've said yes to Jesus... You were adopted by God into his family. What an amazing privilege and position. And we just thank you for that today. It's in the mighty name of our resurrected Savior, Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Okay, is everybody ready? Say, I'm ready. Okay, last week we declared that March, we declared March was going to be a month of prayer And here's what we're doing in our month of prayer is we're basically putting under the microscope the Lord's Prayer. So um, what we're doing is we want to make sure that everyone has received this card. Is there anyone who hasn't received a card that says the Lord's Prayer on it? Is there anyone that doesn't have a card? Okay, Heather, can you help me out? There's a few hands. So when Heather comes down the aisle, would you please make sure that you you raise your hand? Because I want everyone to have this card. Because right now, we are in the midst of what is called a 30-day challenge, where I am challenging all of us, including myself, to lead the way, that we're praying the Lord's Prayer twice a day, early in the morning, and then later in the day. So maybe on your way to work, then on your way home, or maybe you need to set your alarm on your phone saying, when that alarm goes off, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer. So that's what we're doing. So I want to make sure everyone has a a copy of the Lord's Prayer, that card. Make sure you take it with you. Let's go to the challenge together that we're going to pray, 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 pray. 
So as I said last week, the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, which, by the way, was a response to their question, and their question in Luke 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1, their request is, Lord, teach us how to pray. And that's what the Lord's Prayer is all about, is Jesus teaching his disciples, not only them, but for all generations, this prayer is a prayer for us to pray. And I'm, as I mentioned last week, this prayer is really an outline. It's an outline. If you look at the card, you'll see that on the outline, this prayer is made up of seven different petitions, seven different petitions. And, you know, you know, some people would say, is it okay for us to pray this just kind of verbatim in a service? Absolutely. Absolutely. We do it all. We do it every week. There's power in coming together and saying, our Father, meaning we are family. It's amazing. We're praying this prayer together. But what we want to do is we want to put each little request, petition, underneath the microscope because there's so much meat and there's so much value in each one of the requests so even when we do pray for even when we pray randomly in a service I'm hoping our thoughts are being stimulated our faith is rising up and we're getting excited even though we're passing through quickly but now we have more meaning and purpose in what we're saying okay so last week what we did is we looked at the first petition so we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. We looked at the first petition last week, and that first petition is, Our Father, who art in heaven. And the big takeaway last week is that we are, connect, we are to connect with God relationally. We are to connect with God relationally. So not only do we address him as God, which is super important, but we can also address him as Father, he is our Father. And as we sang last week, I love the song, and that is that He is a good, good Father. Can anybody give testimony that God is a good Father? He is a good, good Father. Then we looked at the second petition last week, which is this petition that has so much power, Hallowed be thy name. And the big takeaway that I wanted us to take home with us last week is that we are called to honor God's name. And we do this by recognizing that there's nothing in our lives that is as valuable to God. So when I'm praying in the morning and I'm praying, Lord, hallowed be your name, what I'm doing is I'm bringing myself back into alignment with God because if you're anything like me, it's easy for other things to take the place of greater value than God. Is that only me? I have a feeling I'm not the only one. So when I come and I pray, I say, Lord, May all those other things that want to take the most valuable place in my life, I want to push those aside, and I want to say in my life today, Lord, may your name be the most valuable of all in my life, okay? So today what I want to do, and we're going to just camp out on one request today, because in this one request, we have the power to change the world. In this one request, Jesus is teaching us how we can be world changers and let's look at it today. The third petition, Jesus taught them to pray. He said, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to say that one more time. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So with the time that we have remaining this morning, we'll be out right on time. I want to focus on two questions this morning. We'll focus, and I'll do my best to answer these two questions. Question number one is, what is it that we're asking? 
when we're asking, may your kingdom come, what does that really, really mean? What is the kingdom of God? If someone were to sit down with you and ask you, hey, hey, Bob, Judy, what is the kingdom of God? Would you be able to answer that question? What is the kingdom? And then the second question we're going to look at today is, why is our asking for the kingdom come, why is that so important? Why is it important that we're going to wake up and we're going to begin our day by asking for the kingdom to come? Why is it important in our asking? So what I want to do today is I want to dive in by defining what the kingdom of God is. I want to define what the kingdom of God is. And I want to say this with great humility. I'm just beginning to understand what this is. There's so much here. And it's so much continued revelation in our walk with God that he reveals more of himself and his kingdom. So I'm kind of just scratching the surface, but I think I've made some progress, okay? So what is the kingdom of God? Let me by say, begin by saying that if you're not sure, if you're not sure what the kingdom of God is all about, I want to let you know, join the crowd. Join the crowd. Many, many, many people have little, if any, understanding of what the kingdom of God is really all about. And one of the primary reasons why this is, because many people have what one great theologian calls this. Many people have what is called a shrunken view of the gospel. A shrunken view of the gospel. That is so powerful. Let me explain what, that, what I mean by that. For many, many people, including myself, for many years, we grew up being told that the gospel message, the gospel message was all about how to get to heaven and how to avoid hell. For me, for many people, that was the shrunken view of the gospel. Is it a part of the view of the, is it a part of the gospel? Absolutely. No doubt about it. I don't know about you, but my intention is when I leave this body, and I go to die, when I die, my intention is I want to go and be in heaven for eternity. Amen? I want to be in the presence of God where there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more weeping, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more of this garbage we see going on on this earth. It will all be gone, and we'll be in the presence of our God forever where there's life, where there's joy, where there's peace. And I don't know about you, I have no intention for anyone I love for anyone I love or anyone to go to hell. Because you know what hell really is? Hell is eternal separation from God. From God. And I don't think we can grasp what that means where we're separated from God. No hope, pain, sorrow, tears, grief, darkness. We don't want that. So we're thankful for the gospel that tells us how we can go to heaven and how we can avoid hell. But um, I want to let you know, that's not all there is. That's not all there is. The gospel about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and gaining eternal life is wonderful. It's wonderful, yet, and I want you to hear this loud and clear, yet, yet, the gospel is so much bigger. It's so much bigger than where you're going to spend eternity. 
It's much, much bigger. We are just cutting our, we're cutting it short if we think it's just about going to heaven and avoiding hell. It's so much bigger. There's another part of the gospel that is often referred to, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning. It's called the forgotten gospel. This is the part of the gospel that many, many people have forgotten. Or maybe it's because they've never even heard about it. But I want to let you know it's the gospel that Jesus talked about on several, several occasions. So this isn't Mike's stuff. Far be it that it be Mike's stuff. This is Jesus' stuff. This was a huge part of what Jesus taught. This is a huge part of what Jesus preached when he was in his public ministry. So what is the forgotten gospel? I want to share with you five scriptures, and they're going to show us what the forgotten gospel is. The first scripture I want to show you is taken from Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, if you're taking notes. It says, now after John had been taken into custody, that's John the Baptist, Jesus now comes into Galilee and he's preaching the gospel of God and he's saying, look what Jesus is saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So Jesus is introducing, reminding us what the forgotten gospel is. He says it's the kingdom of God. Next verse, Matthew 4, 17 It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say these words, repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let me bring a little clarity that might help you. And that is that many theologians, many scholars believe that these two words, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, are used interchangeably. Interchangeably. Does everybody understand that? So the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the message of Jesus. Luke 4, 4, 4, 4, 43, there we go. Jesus said, I must, I must preach the kingdom of God. I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus is saying, I was sent to tell people about the kingdom. Matthew 10, 7, Jesus is sending out his disciples, and he says, hey, guys, as you go, make sure you preach this message. And he's not saying, hey, how you get to heaven and how you avoid hell. No, he's saying, here's the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom is near. One more verse. After the resurrection of Jesus, 40 days, he's spending time with his disciples. They have all kind of crazy questions. It says, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke to them. Guess what they spoke about? You got it. They spoke about the kingdom of God. They spoke about the kingdom of God. So as we can see in these verses, and I want to let you know there are many, many, many more. The gospel that Jesus preached was centered on the kingdom of God. If you were to hear Jesus preach, this would be the message you would hear over and over again. And over again, him announcing the kingdom of God. By the way, this is the primary message. This is the primary number one message that Jesus taught throughout the Gospels. So if you're ever on a game show and somebody said, one of the questions is, what was the primary message of Jesus? You can clock in and say, it was the kingdom of God. Just a little help there, okay? It's the kingdom of God. So I want us to get this in our heart. This isn't just something we're talking about today. 
It was the number one message of Jesus. I do find it very interesting that we don't talk much about the number one thing that Jesus talked about. Think about it. When's the last time you heard a message on the kingdom of God? And I kind of feel like we're missing something big time here. I think we need to be talking about what Jesus talked about. So we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God. But for many, many people, there's this great disconnect concerning what the kingdom is all about. How do I know? Because I've been there. And I tell you what, I'm still in discovery mode of what the kingdom is all about. So here's what I want to do. I've done a lot of reading about what the kingdom is. And um, one of my goals as I try to communicate to people is I want to keep the cookies on the bottom shelf. I don't want to try to confuse people with intellectual genius. That's not going to happen for me. But we're going to keep the cookies on the bottom shelf where we can all understand what the kingdom of God is. And I want to let you know the kingdom of God, if you want to write this down, the kingdom of God is wherever God is in control. The kingdom of God, what is it? It is wherever God is in control. It's wherever his will is being done. It is wherever God reigns and rules. That is the kingdom of God, where God is in control. So you may be thinking today, well, isn't God in control of every place, everywhere? And my answer is no. And I think a lot of people right now are thinking, like, this guy's a heretic. But if you read your Bible, one, one example, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, you can look it, up, look it up yourself. I'm not going to put it on the screen. But 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 clearly states Paul saying these words, Satan is the god of this world. That's not me making this up. This is all from the Scripture. But the kingdom is wherever God comes and takes control, wherever we allow him to reign, wherever we allow his will to be done. So the question is, what will it look like? What will it look like when God is in control? What will it look like when his will is being done on earth as it is in heaven? What will that look like in my life? Your life. What will that look like in our families? Oh, I want that for my family. I want that for your family. What will it look like in our, the River Falls public schools when the kingdom of God comes? What will it look like at Journey Church when the kingdom of God really comes? What will it look like in our world today? And we're all thinking about Ukraine, and rightfully so. What will it look like when the kingdom of God comes to Ukraine? What will it look like? And that's what I want to answer today. And I think that's a great question. And to help us answer the question, what I want to do is I'm going to direct our attention real quick, quickly to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah, one of the five major prophets. And it's here that we're going to read several prophecies concerning the coming of Christ. And when Christ comes, his kingdom comes. And in the reading of these prophecies, if we had the time to show all the verses, and we don't have time, but just trust me, in the reading of all these prophecies, we see that there's seven different reoccurring signs or evidences that the kingdom is breaking out. There's going to be seven things that you begin to see in your life 
in your schools, in your workplace, in your family, in the world. There's seven signs that you're going to see when this begins to happen in greater measure. So, um, Heather, can you help me out? I'm sorry I didn't ask you this in advance. But can you take this stack of um, poster boards and just reveal them as I... You can reveal the first one. So that's... I don't know how those got out. Yeah, that's the first one. You got it. So, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to encourage you to do. I want you to take the Lord's Prayer card. Now I want you to get out a piece of... or get out a, a pen or a pencil... And I want, you, I want to encourage you to write these seven signs down that the kingdom of God is coming in greater measure. Why? So when you pray, thy kingdom come, you can turn over the card and say, okay, God, this is what I'm praying. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to do this. Number one sign that the kingdom of God is coming. By the way, these are not in order of importance. They're all important. Number one thing that we'll see when the kingdom of God comes is we will see Heather, show us the sign. Raise it nice and high. Everybody say deliverance. I want everyone to hear me loud and clear this morning. I know we all have a lot to do after church. We have shopping to do. Heather and I are going to Cane's. We're going to celebrate. I want you to know that when God's kingdom comes, there's deliverance. Because I want you to know that God wants people to be free. Everybody say free. He wants us to be free from addiction. He wants us to be free from insecurity. He wants us to be free from fear. He wants us to be free from anxiety and worry. That's what God wants in this world. That's what he wants in our lives, in the places we go. He wants his kingdom to be a place where there's deliverance because God wants people. God loves people. God cares for people. And he wants people to be delivered. God wants people to be free. Aren't you thankful that in the kingdom there's deliverance? Heather, if you just put that on, then we'll move to the next one. Because I want you to continue to see these because we're going to pray them through at the end. Number two, when you see the kingdom coming, and you see the kingdom coming in greater measure, what we're going to experience is we're going to experience righteousness and justice. Righteousness and justice. By the way, these two words are closely intertwined throughout the scripture, intertwined. And um, a bit a big part, but a big part of righteousness and justice is this word, fairness. Fairness. That everyone is treated as equal. That everyone is given an equal opportunity. So I'm telling you what, when I'm praying for Ukraine, I'm praying, God, may your kingdom come. May there be righteousness. May there be justice. May there be fairness. May people be treated with equal opportunity. That's all in the kingdom. That's the second one. Number three, we need to move quickly. And the third one is in God's kingdom. One of the signs of his kingdom will be this word here. Everybody say it together. Everybody say peace, peace. God wants people to experience peace, shalom, shalom. And he wants there to be peace between people and him. He wants there to be people that what we could call vertical peace, our peace with God, which, by the way, is made possible through who? Jesus Christ. But he also wants people to be in peace with one another. He wants nations to be at peace with one another. He wants people groups to be at peace with one another. He also wants us on a personal level, level to experience peace of mind. God wants there to be peace in our lives and in the world. Let's move on to number four. Everybody together, the sign of the kingdom will be 
I love that picture. That's how I, how many people want to live like that? Joy, 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 listen, that is outside of your circumstances. I want to say that again. Joy that is not just based on everything's perfect. It's going to be 58 degrees this week. There's going to be a nice breeze out of the east. Snow's That's okay, peace when everything's good. No, this is peace outside of our circumstances that's not contingent with what's going on in our lives. It's not contingent on the world around us. I want you to hear this. It's not contingent in the world around us. It's joy even in the midst of COVID. I don't think somebody heard me. It's joy even in the midst of COVID. Not that we're joyful that people are being affected. That's not what we're talking. We're talking about inside you can have joy. You can have joy in the midst of inflation. You can have joy when gas is $4.50 a gallon. How many people are joyful about that? Outward, no, but how many people know we can continue to have joy even when everything's going through the roof and things aren't of perfect conditions around us? I want to let you know with all sensitivity, we're not going to experience perfect conditions on this planet. This is not our home, friends. We're just strangers. We're aliens. We're passing through. That's called heaven that you're thinking about. It's in heaven when we're in the presence of God for eternity that we'll experience what you're thinking we should have here. But while you're here in this mass, you can still have peace. You can still have joy. Because righteousness, peace, and joy, that's the kingdom of God. Romans 14. Let's move on, Heather, to number five. Everybody together will say that. Everybody together say God's presence. That's a beautiful thing, God's presence. Let me ask you this, and don't raise your hand, but I just have a question for you to consider. How many of you have ever experienced the presence of God? Man, this morning during that, that, that music time, I just sensed God's presence and just a, just a real sense of peace, just a real sense of just knowing, God, that you're in control. But here's the deal. Church should not be the only place. Church should not be the only place where we experience God's presence. How many people know living, we can live in God's presence, we can live with the sense that God is journeying through life, not just with us on Sunday morning for an hour, but God is journeying with you through life on Monday morning when you go back to work. He's journeying with you Tuesday morning. He's with you. He wants his presence to be with us continually. We can live in his presence. So when we're praying, thy kingdom come, we're saying, Lord, one of the signs of your kingdom is that I can live in your presence. Man, what a deal. What a deal. Let's go on to number six. By the way, a few years back, about 10 years ago, we, we took one week to talk about each and every one of these. So we're kind of just really hitting, scratching the surface here. Number six, sign of the kingdom. Write this down. In, the, in God's kingdom, there's healing. There's healing. I want to let you know that God wants us to experience emotional, relational, physical, spiritual healing. God's desire is that people would be made whole. 
I want to let you know part of the kingdom coming into our lives wherever we go is God wants us to be people that are healed. So when we're praying for sick people, we can say, Lord, may your kingdom come. Lord, because a part of your kingdom is in your kingdom, there's healing available for the sick. There's healing available for those who are going through emotional difficulties, even relational issues. There's healing. And the seventh sign, and we'll be done here, number seven. Thank you, Heather, for doing such a good job. I'm going to take you out to lunch today. My place of choice, okay? It's rough being um, my wife. Let's go on, okay? May your kingdom come into everything. Number seven is in the kingdom there's return from exile, meaning people that were taken away into a place of slavery can now be brought free. Today we would call that salvation. Salvation. We can be brought into a place where we are forgiven of our sins. We can be brought back into our rightful position as brothers and sisters, children of God. We can be returned from that place of captivity, that place of captivity where we're banished and we're in this bad place of punishment. We can be set free. So Heather, just leave those all across the front. Thank you so much for your help. So here's the deal. This is what I want us to zoom back in on, and I want us to understand. These are the seven things, and there's probably many, many more. But these are what we saw in the prophecies of Isaiah when he's talking about the coming of Jesus and his kingdom. Throughout the writings of Isaiah, he keeps referring to these seven things. You'll see these things when the kingdom, when Jesus arrives, who, by the way, is the king of all kings. And when he comes and his kingdom comes, what we will experience here on earth is we'll experience these seven signs will be reoccurring. And we see that through Isaiah. I want us to understand this, okay? Do you got it? Say, I got it. So here's what I want you to hear. Listen carefully. It's so much more than just going to heaven and avoiding hell. The gospel is so much more than just avoiding heaven and going to hell and now let me go on with my life and let me try to figure it out, see if I can get victory one day or one day a week. That would be a good week. No, it's much, much more than that. When we pray these things, what we're praying is, Lord, would you bring these things into our world, into our life? See, Christianity, Christianity is much more than about getting better when we die. I want you to look at a quote from a brilliant man named Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard, research him, just a great mind. Look at what Dallas Willard said. He said this, he said, the Christian life is not all about going to heaven when we die, it's about us getting into heaven before we die. Isn't that great? He's saying it's about us getting to that place where it's, it's, it can be heaven on earth. It can be we live in these areas of victory. So what I want to do is this morning, I, I want to close with a story that I think a lot of people of us or we've heard, we've read about, or we've seen in a movie. But it illustrates so beautifully what the kingdom of God is all about. And really, it's taken from a guy named C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis And he wrote a book called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. How many people have heard of that before? A great book, a great movie. If you don't know, or even if you've seen it, just let me kind of just talk about it just for like two minutes. In the story, we read of four children 
who stumble into a magical land called Narnia. Narnia. The true king, the true king of the land is a magnificent lion named Aslan. By the way, he is a type of Christ, a Christ figure. Yet, at the time of the story, when we pick up the story, Narnia is under the rule of the white witch who has cursed the land. So it is in a perpetually, it's in a bitter cold winter where there's no celebration and where there's no Christmas. But at one point of the story, everything begins to change. Christmas does come as Father Christmas comes and he comes dispensing gifts, good things. Then following that, springtime begins to invade the bitter winter of the white witch's reign. The snow begins to melt. The trees begin to release their snow covers and leaves begin to come back. Flowers begin to bloom. The birds begin to chirp. So what's going on? Father Christmas explains, and listen to this, what Father Christmas says in response to what's going on. He says these words, Aslan is on the move. The witch's magic is weakening. We come to understand that wherever Aslan draws near, springtime breaks out in the midst of the bitter winter of the white witch. Listen carefully. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. God's reign descends in and through the person of his son, Jesus, and it begins to be applied in a world that is not yet fully, not yet fully under his control. And as a result, sicknesses are healed. Demons are banished. Sins are forgiven. People begin to be assured of God's love for them. See, whenever God's kingdom comes, his kingship is applied to the evil and the darkness is banished. When the king comes, we begin to see these seven signs come in greater measure. See, whenever Jesus draws near, it is there that springtime of God's peace breaks the bitter winter of Satan's evil dominion. So I want to say this, and I want to be so tender towards you this morning. Jesus did not simply die so that lost individuals could go to heaven. He also died so the creation could be redeemed. I want to let you know Jesus died because God has an agenda, and God is out to change the world. Amen? God is out to change the world, which leads to my second question. I said we have two questions. Second question, and we're going to be done. Why is our asking for the kingdom to come? Why is that so important that we're saying, guys, for these next 30 days, every morning, every evening, let's pray these prayers. Let's pray that the kingdom of God would come. Why is it so important for the kingdom of God to come? Because I want you to see this. God looks for people. I want to let you know, God right now is actively looking for people. The scripture says his eyes are moving to and fro throughout the earth. And God is looking for people to what? He wants to partner with. 
God is looking for partners. Don't worry, he has all the power. We just need to line up with him. And he's looking for people to partner with so that his will will come to this earth. I love this line even better. We need to pray because God's kingdom needs to be invited. I want everybody to hear that loud and clear. God's kingdom needs to be invited. God's kingdom needs to be welcomed. And that's why there's so much power when we stop and we pray at the beginning of a day or at the end of the day. There's so much power when we say, Lord, may your kingdom come. May you be in control. May you set up your rule, your reign, your authority. God, may these signs be more apparent in my life. May these signs be more apparent in my family, my boys, my marriage. Lord, I want these signs. I want your kingdom to come into the River Falls School District. God, I want your kingdom to come into Journey Church. So we're not just playing church and going through the motions of each and every week, another week, another week, mark it off, we did another week. No, my heart for us as a church is that this will be a church where the kingdom of God comes. And what we see happening at Journey Church are these seven things. I want people who are coming just burned out, people who are worrying, people with anxiety. I'm praying that when they come into this place, that the kingdom of God would come and those people would begin to have peace. Why? Because we're here in God's presence. There's peace. I want people who maybe need a healing in their bodies, maybe an emotional healing, maybe it's in a relationship, they can come here and receive healing. This should be a place that's different than any other place. We want the kingdom of God to come. We want people to come and return from exile, people to come to Christ where there's freedom. So I want us to be a church that when we pray this, we got, what, three more weeks, three more weeks in this challenge. Get up every day. At the end of the day, pray the Lord's Prayer. And when you get to this part where it says, thy kingdom come, I want you to get down some, some, something from your gut that just gets some conviction and some power and some energy where you say, God, yes, Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, yes, when I look at Ukraine and I think of people needlessly dying and people fleeing to Poland, now like 1.6 billion refugees, God, I'm praying and sometimes I don't know how to pray because my mind doesn't see things always clearly. God, I want to pray for Ukraine And God, I want to pray, God, would your kingdom come? God, I want to pray that there's justice and righteousness, that people will be um, treated fairly. That's the heart of God. That's the kingdom of God. And folks, we have such a privilege. We have such a privilege, but yet it's also a responsibility that we get to partner with the God of the universe. And it's through our asking, we're inviting We're welcoming welcoming God. God, will you send spring into the ugly winter of where we live? Will you set up spring? And may we begin to see the snow of injustice melt away. God, may we see unrighteousness begin to melt away. God, may we begin to see people set free in this world today. And that's the heart of God. And when we pray, we pray with power. Amen? Do you receive it this morning? So this is what I want us to do. Does everybody have a card? I want us to stand to our feet. No, other, no better way to dismiss this morning. No better way than to dismiss this morning by praying this prayer together.
I love what Pastor Vicki said in our prayer time this morning, talking about our Father. What's, what are we saying? We're saying, hey, if, you're, if, you're in the, if you have said yes to Jesus, we're all in the same family. We're brothers and sisters, and God is our Father. And as a family, we're going to pray this prayer together with our brothers and sisters. How does that sound? So let's pray together this morning. Let's pray with just a little more. <clears throat> let's go for it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, Lord, we pray for Ukraine. We pray for our lives, our families, our schools, our workplaces today, that your kingdom would come in greater measure through our asking, through our asking in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen.